EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. All right, we do it every week at this time. You are now listening to EST, the podcast for the Established Church by Established Church Pastors. My name is Josh King. As always, I am thankful and appreciative that you have invited me, my friends, into your week. We're going to talk a little bit about pastoring and some of the the things that affect a pastor as you are listening today. Let me encourage you to go ahead and shoot out a tweet. This is a free podcast, but it really does help us out by letting other pastors know that you are listening to EST. We are thankful and appreciative every time somebody shares a little bit of information about us. For instance, uh, McCree David is a listener of the show. You can follow him on Twitter at MCREE David. He's um, from Uly, Florida, and uh, we appreciate him and all of our other followers on Twitter. So let other people know that you're listening to EST. My good friend and pal and co-host today is Andrew Abear. Andrew, how is it over in West Texas today? It's uh, sunny and hot like it normally is. Yeah, same over here. Even though we're like a million miles away, it's still hot right here. So You know, um, it's crazy how big the state of Texas is. We're actually closer to Denver than we are to Dallas. You're closer to like LA than you are to Dallas, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a huge state. So, um we are thankful for everybody kind of listening in. We're talking about a topic here that is near and dear to all of our hearts or at least should be. We're talking about evangelism. And so as an established church pastor, you know, we hear a lot about this, you know. One of my frustrations as a pastor, I'll I'll just be honest with you, is how often I'm told all the things that I better be highlighting or I'm just a horrible pastor. So, you know, you got to have an, uh, uh, we just did a show on assimilation. You got to have this great assimilation process or a pipeline of leadership or really be highlighting evangelism or the orphan crisis or, you know, whatever it is. I feel like, man, how, how I don't know how to highlight all of this stuff. But evangelism, that's a non-negotiable, correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, it, it all boils down to the Great Commission. I mean, if you want to talk about the bare minimum that we have to be focused focused on, the very basics of what we're called to do, we're called to make disciples of all nations. And mm-hmm. disciple-making equals evangelism plus discipleship. So it begins with sharing the gospel with people. Um, if the, the the Lord works and they put their faith in Christ, then it then it continues in walking with them as they learn to walk with the Lord. So this is, if you boil it all down, yeah, it starts with evangelism. Mm. So, I mean, one of the one of the knocks against younger ministers is that there's not enough emphasis on evangelism. Whether that's true or not, I have some theories on whether or not that's true, but let's pretend it is. Why do you think that is, that so few churches and pastors uh, highlight or emphasize evangelism? You know, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I think that there are probably a couple of things at play. First of all, 
evangelism there's probably been a lack of evangelism in every generation i would guess i mean mm. we um i would think that evangelism has probably always been a struggle because everyone experiences things like the fear of man mm-hmm. regardless of what generation you're a part of and mm-hmm. and therefore i think it's always going to be a struggle to be consistent and intentional about sharing the gospel so i'm not sure that it's a generational problem it's it's probably just a people problem it's very hard to be intentional about sharing the gospel but but beyond that if it if it is a particular issue with a younger demographic or whatever of pastors who are not being as evangelistic, one thought might be, you know, we may have seen some abuses or some mm-hmm. some ways of doing evangelism that are manipulative or whatever. So it may be an overreaction to some of that. Mm-hmm. I would say, I don't know if you would agree with me, but at least one thing I would throw it on the table to discuss is it's just methodology. There's a, there's, I, at least in the churches that I've been a part of, when uh, either as a member, as a as a as a child or a student, and then even on staff and now pastoring, the churches that emphasized evangelism didn't necessarily emphasize it the same way. So I was at a church that really taught one of those memorize these steps and these words, you know, had an acronym, and then we're all going to go out on Tuesday nights and knock on doors. They emphasized that. Whereas our church emphasizes more of a a neighborly approach of getting to know your neighbors and inviting them to Jesus and then telling them about the church. So we emphasize a different approach, but I wouldn't say one or the other better emphasizes evangelism. And so thus, I think that sometimes people say, well, younger generations or these new churches or something like that, they're not worried about evangelism. I think they are. It's just a different method. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I learned how to share the gospel um, when I was 14. I grew up in an independent, fundamental, uh, King James-only type of a a church. And so Mm -hmm. we did old-school, cold turkey, uh, knocking on doors, talking to strangers about Jesus. And uh, that's how I learned to share the gospel. It was Mm -hmm. very confrontational. And I don't mean confrontational in a mean way. I just mean we were confronting people with the gospel and asking (laughs) for a response on the spot, door to door in Houston, Texas. And actually, Josh, we saw some people come to faith in Christ. I mean, that wasn't entirely ineffective. Um, I think some of that, as we've talked about on the show so many times, some of that has to do with the context in which you're serving. Yeah. And I think there are some contexts where that would be maybe more effective than others. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Jeremy Roberts, who uh, you know, he pastors in uh, Tennessee. And Jeremy made a great point about political door-to-door type work that politicians mm. still do door-to-door campaigning. And mm-hmm. uh, for instance, in o- Ohio, you know, Barack Obama uh you know, he was running against Mitt Romney in 2012, he had like twice the number of on-the-ground people in the state of Ohio mm-hmm. as as Mitt Romney did. Well, Obama was obviously seeing something there, seeing a value in having people on the ground talking to people intentionally about his campaign. So I think mm-hmm. maybe there's something, even in those older methods, there may be something for us to learn. I, I remember hearing the story, I think it was D.L. Moody, um, who had a crusade and someone came up to him afterwards and complained about the way that he had shared the gospel. And he asked her how she shares the gospel. And she said that she hadn't, hadn't done it or something like that. And he said, well, I like my method better than your method. Mm -hmm. So I think regardless of methodology, that the important thing is that we're doing whatever we can to get the gospel to people who are far from God. Yeah. I could totally relate, you know, as well as other people know that I also grew up in an independent fundamental King James sort of, 
setting and church. That's where I was called to ministry. It's where I accepted Christ. And so um, people were definitely intentional about sharing the gospel. One of the least uh, effective ways that I ever saw was our Saturday morning student ministry. We called it youth uh, sort of door-to-door kind of evangelism where my youth minister would somehow get the list of different teenagers. We weren't going necessarily door-to-door, but we would go to the homes of these of these teenagers early Saturday morning. There's a group of like 15 of us knocking on the door of a teen that we don't know, and they come to the door, and then one of us shares the gospel with another 14 of us looking on. And um, usually that teenager was in pajamas, his hair's not done, and it was just the most, I felt uncomfortable. And, you know, I was usually in the back of the pack, not like, I hate this, you know. Um, I'm sure that they did not feel very, uh, I don't know, invited into a loving kingdom family at that point. No. (laughs) So it's definitely something. So let's talk, because this show, you know, this is generally about how to. You know, not so much the theory behind things. Let's talk a little bit about how you've seen evangelism or how you've dealt with things um, in your church or churches. Um, Right now, we're emphasizing evangelism, and I'll be real honest with you. Our emphasis of evangelism came from conversations you and I had and seeing the success or – it wasn't success. It wasn't like you ever told me like, hey, we did this, and then like 800 people came to Christ. It was just you were telling me about how the people in your church started to gain a little bit of um, evangelism fervor. And I was like, I want to do that. I think I needed to do that. And, you know, a lot of times with pastoring, it's fake it till you make it. So I was just going to copy what you do until we figure it out. And it was exactly the same thing. We've got people sharing the gospel all over the place, um, you know, just all sorts of stories. So tell me a little bit about the evangelism approach that you're using currently. Yeah, well, I've used a lot of different things over the years, but one thing that I was introduced to a couple of years ago, Jimmy Scroggins, who pastors Family Church in South Florida, developed a little tool called the Three Circles, and probably a lot of the listeners have seen that or heard about it. The North Mm -hmm. American Mission Board um, has really promoted the use of the Three Circles, and it's a very simple, um, memorable way to share the gospel where you don't have to memorize a lot of verses. You don't have to have a lot of theological answers. It's just very simple. Mm -hmm. And even my nine-year-old daughter can do it and does a great job with that. And so I decided that I was going to do a three circles evangelism training. And so this summer we did a six-week training on Wednesday nights. It took about an hour uh, each week. And we, we taught people how to do the three circles. And from the pulpit on a Sunday morning, I cast a goal to have a hundred people take that class. Hmm. <laughs> Pardon me. And uh, on the first night, we had 265 people wow. sign up to take mm-hmm. it. Now, not all of those people stuck with us to the end, but by the end of the six weeks, we still had over a hundred people mm-hmm. who were taking the class. And for us, uh, you're right. I mean, we haven't seen 800 people come to faith in Christ mm-hmm. <laughs> in the last two months, but we have seen an evangelistic fervor Mm -hmm. that has developed among our people. And I'm hearing stories every single week of people who are sharing the gospel now who weren't sharing the gospel two or three months ago. And for me, that's a win. You Mm -hmm. cannot manipulate the number of people who come to faith in Christ, because just in terms of my understanding of the gospel, that's something that the Lord has to do. The Lord is the one who draws people and saves people. 
We can't manufacture that. But what we can be responsible for is our faithfulness to share the gospel regularly and intentionally. And so that's what I'm excited about. No, we haven't seen, you know, 800 people come to faith in Christ, but we are seeing uh, 150 plus people, you mm-hmm. know, in our church who are now equipped to share the gospel and are starting to do that on a regular basis. And to me as a pastor, that is a win. Exactly. Yeah. I've actually challenged our church within the next. Uh, I gave this about five weeks ago, but I said in the next 18 months, we're going to train 150 people to use this methodology to share the gospel. Because as our um, other co-host, Micah Freeze, often says it's not about different topics, but he'll say it's not so much a matter of what you do, but it's a matter of that you do. So I just said three circles is going to be the one. There's other great um things out there the great thing i thought about three circles was it was just it was so well thought through there's an app there's little booklets there's you know wristbands there's there's all the little features and so that was going to be very helpful for us and we're going to train 150 people in the next 18 months now 17 months to use this so i'm offering it on uh, Wednesday nights right now, we're planning a Saturday, an all-day Saturday training. We're planning a Sunday morning training in the place of our small groups, etc., stuff like that. So we're going to train these people. The other other uh, sort of emphasis that we're using in order to emphasize evangelism is these folks that are being trained now are being a part of uh, like a little team of people who will come down during the decision portion or the response portion of the service. And as I give sort of an invitation to respond, I might say, if you have questions about the gospel, I shared that a moment ago and I talked a little bit about, you know, turning and submitting to Christ. If you have questions about that, we have we have members, folks just like you that are down here that are ready to kind of talk you through that and answer any questions you might have about the gospel and how to respond to the gospel. And so they're real excited about that because the way I explained it to them was, you know, this is like low-lying fruit. They're coming up saying, I want to hear the gospel. You took this course because you want to share the gospel. Why not be a part of that? And the response we got, we're a much smaller church than you. We had 33 sign up, and we're on our third week, and they're all still here thus far. But those, uh, they're really excited about this. And I love hearing the sort of um, conversations or the, the stories that are out there. Yeah, I think one thing, Josh, that's really helpful. I mean, you're seeing this as you're using that three circles training, but there's an accountability element and a mm-hmm. celebration element. So you're praying for people intentionally by name who are far from God. You're praying a- as a group every single week for those people. And then you're celebrating stories every week of, of opportunities that you have to share the gospel. And I, mm-hmm. I think that accountability element is really, really helpful. It just kind of keeps us engaged in, in follow through. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think that if, if we would have had 30 people show up, mm-hmm. uh, to our training, I would have been thrilled because sure. Jesus had, Jesus had 12. And right. so it doesn't take a, a large number of people. And I would say to any listener pastoring or serving in any size of church, this is something that you can do. Mm-hmm. Anything that you can do to move the ball down the field, anything mm-hmm. that you can do to be intentional about getting your people mobilized to share the gospel is important. And maybe it doesn't look like a six-week class. Maybe it looks like a, you know, you take one Sunday morning during the Sunday school hour to teach people how to share the gospel. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be three circles. It can be any, there's no wrong way to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. But just anything you can do to start to mobilize your people to be intentional about sharing the gospel is a win. 
You've been listening to EST, a conversation about the established church with our hosts, Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We'll be back shortly after a brief message from our sponsors. Hey, this is Josh. I wanted to take a few moments just to talk to you about one of our EST sponsors, Trained Up. As a pastor, you know that you need to train your volunteers. You also know that that is one of the hardest things possible to do. Trying to get their schedules in order, trying to get everybody to show up, planning and organizing the whole thing can take a lot of your pastoring time away from you. With this resource, Trained Up has not only cut the amount of training meetings in half, it's also significantly increased participation by up to 40%. And that's a win for everybody. Not to mention that Trained Up already has courses built in with just about every ministry area you can think of. So even if you don't know what to cover, they've got you covered. And now for a limited time only, Trained Up is offering a 50% discount on their multi-ministry package for two years. Go to trainedup.org to get started today. Thank you to our sponsors who help further the mission of EST. If you'd like to partner with us and have us spotlight your ministry, go to estchurch.com for more information. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, let's talk about that just a little bit. I know what you meant by it, but let's jump off of that. There's no wrong way to share the gospel. Over the past, there have been methodologies sometimes that um, make people feel uncomfortable. And I'll share a personal example here. I feel uncomfortable with preaching, having a conviction to preach exegetically, let's say, and I preach the point of a text. And then at the end of it, for the last few minutes, I'll say, okay, now... What about this? If you, you know, every head bowed, every eye closed, no matter what it is, you know, I've always had like an issue with, it's not so much the sharing of the gospel, it's the other th- the other ways that we wrap it around. So it's not the gift of the gospel, but it's the wrapping paper that sometimes makes me <laughs> uncomfortable. So when I, when I first came to um, Saxe's church, uh, I actually got in a little bit of trouble because I wasn't sharing the gospel ever according to this person. And, and I said, well, I mean, I shared it today. Like it was on a Sunday. I said, I was really clear about the gospel. I really gave that. And I was like, you know, sometimes maybe I'm not that good at it, but today I know I did it this time. I got everything in there. And I asked her, I said, so what was it? She said, you did not use the word repent nor the word believe when you gave the gospel. And I said, yeah, but do you remember when I was talking about the whole idea of turning from your own um, glory and turning from your own rule of your life and, and trusting in Christ as the Lord and Savior and submitting to him. And she's like, yeah. And I said, that's what repent and believe means. I just use different words for it. So I've actually gotten in trouble for that and just had to teach her and other people um, this. I heard it again. I heard the comment again. So one Sunday morning, I just explained, you know, I try to communicate the gospel as it comes from the text. And sometimes the text is pointing toward repentance and that portion of the gospel or it's pointing towards hope and that portion so i'll highlight the gospel in those methodologies have you seen any other wrapping papers that are maybe make you uncomfortable but aren't necessarily sinful (laughs) but what do you think yeah yeah that's funny um well I, i i see your point for sure. I would just say make sure that you actually share the, the gospel. Okay. And so I think sometimes we we share half the gospel. So we'll talk about the cross of Jesus, but we'll leave out the resurrection. And mm. if you leave out the resurrection, you haven't fully shared the good news. So I, I sure. think you, we need to make sure that we're talking about the whole gospel. And then we're talking about our response to the gospel, which is repent and believe. And I'm kind of like you, Josh. I don't use those terms very often. Mm-hmm. I'll use uh, turn and trust and mm-hmm. treasure. 
mm-hmm. those three terms. Um, but I think that we've got to talk about the biblical concept of, mm-hmm. of repentance and belief. And so I, I'm more f- interested in, are we sharing the whole gospel? And then what I've encouraged our folks with is, because I feel like, Josh, that some of our people are almost um, immobilized. They're almost, um, I don't know, they're, they're so afraid of doing it wrong that they end up not ever sharing. Mm-hmm. And what I've tried to encourage our folks with is, if you share the gospel, the full gospel, then you're you're probably going to make some mistakes in how you do that and how you communicate it. There are probably things you could have done better, but you've got to trust God's sovereignty, and you've got to trust the Spirit of the Lord to take the gospel and work it into people's hearts. And And our job is not to do it perfectly. Our job is just to be faithful to share. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we've got to, as pastors, I think we need to encourage our people just to realize, look, you're not going to always have all the answers. You're not always going to share the gospel perfectly. The important thing is that you're trying to do the best you can and be intentional about it and then trust the Lord to work past uh, our, our your mistakes, my mistakes, and uh, use the gospel in the way that he sees fit. Yeah, this is so good. Talking so far about evangelism in the church and emphasizing that, and then also some of our struggles with kind of the way that it's communicated and um, sort of the way that we personally will communicate the gospel. So thus far, we've been kind of talking about how Andrew, Dr. Andrew Hebert, and I share the gospel in our congregations and and uh, the way that we've kind of struggled with that and making evangelism a priority in our church. A few moments ago, Andrew, you mentioned something along the lines of uh, we've got members that, sh- that are worried or concerned maybe they might share it wrong. I've felt that way as well. I know a number of my members have expressed that too. I don't know if I'll share it wrong. Do you have any practical ways that you would communicate to your members? Maybe our listeners could pass along to their members. And if if somebody says to you, I think I'm going to, I don't, I don't know. I get so nervous. I think I'm going to share it wrong. What would you say pragmatically? How, how could they communicate that to somebody else? Yeah, well, I guess I'd answer the question this way. You know, sometimes as a pastor, people come up to you, you know, on a Sunday morning and they say, Hey, I've got a, you know, I've got a question. Uh, for you from the Bible or a question about theology or what have you. And Mm -hmm. here's my response. Before I'll answer their question, I'll say, okay, I'm happy to hear your question as long as you're okay with me giving you the answer, I don't know, (laughs) if I I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to be okay with sometimes just not having the answer. So what I've encouraged our folks is, is if you get some kind of pushback when you're sharing the gospel and you get a hard question that you can't answer, don't be afraid to say, you know, I don't know. Let me get back to you on that. You know, let me find out the answer to that and let's keep the conversation going. So I think that's a way to move past maybe that barrier when you're sharing the gospel and and somebody brings up something and you feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm crippled here in this moment because I don't have the answer for it. We'll just say, hey, I don't have the answer for that, but why don't we grab coffee next week and Mm -hmm. let me get give me some time to to do some thinking about that Mm -hmm. or find the answer. We can continue the conversation. And that's a way to kind of get over that barrier and keep the gospel conversation going. What what, one thing I found is that, you know, very rarely does somebody put their faith in Christ in the first response to hearing the gospel for the first time. In in other words, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of conversation. One of my best friends that I got to lead to Christ a a number of years ago, we talked about the gospel for nine months before he was ready to finally repent and believe. And so I think it's, it's okay to let our people know, like you don't have to have this perfect, um, 
presentation that is so shiny and so slick that people are going to respond in repentance of faith right there. It's okay mm-hmm. to it's okay to be uh, flawed and it's okay to not have a perfect presentation. Just do your best with what you can and try to be as faithful to 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 that as possible. Yeah, two of the ways that I respond to those same objections or fears is first to say, like, you can't. So I'll have people all the time say, well, what if I do it wrong? And I say, I just look at them and say, you can't. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Sure, I can do it wrong. And I explain it this way. If you were if you were dating somebody, if the first time that you started dating you know, somebody – I always use Jackie as an example because that's my wife. And I'll say, when I first started dating Jackie and I went back to the place I was living and I told my roommate, Paul, about her, there's no wrong way – for me to tell Paul about Jackie. I had met this girl that had changed my life. You know, I felt at the time and later on found out for sure. And this, she was everything to me and I just started talking about her. Now, Paul could have very easily asked me any one of a million questions that I would not have known the answer to. And I would have just said, you know, I don't know. I don't know what she thinks about politics. I don't know what she thinks about lemon pepper chicken, but I could very easily answer everything that I know about her and the way she's affected my life. And that's really the heart of evangelism is declaring this good news uh, about the way a person has changed her life. Now, as we've mentioned already, there are key elements to the gospel. There is this, there's these, you boil it down. There are some very necessary, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the rain is all necessary portions. But I always tell them you can't tell somebody about somebody who changed your life wrong. You're just telling them about how they changed your life. Another idea that I always communicate to them is the goal line. I was like, you need to change your goal line. The Bible doesn't call us to convert people. That's clearly the Holy Spirit's job. All throughout, the Holy Spirit is the one who creates and recreates and all this sort of stuff. Your goal is to declare or to introduce people to Jesus. You're, and so if you're worried all the time about making them have a decision, then yeah. I mean, I guess there could be some times where you didn't do it right because they didn't come to a decision. But if your goal is to share or rightly declare this person that you've met, then you can't really fail at this. And so you just got to really change those goal line stances. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, changing the sub, not not changing the subject entirely, but kind of taking it from a different perspective. We've really been talking about uh, training our people, trying to mobilize our people, our members to share the gospel, which I think is is probably the most important part of this. But I think there are a couple of other things that are important for us to think about as pastors, and that is sharing the gospel in our preaching, mm-hmm. and then also event evangelism or maybe mm. attractional evangelism. I'd like to get mm. your thoughts on on both of those those things. How important is gospel preaching or sharing the gospel in your preaching and then what do you think about the idea of evangelism through attractional events? Well, see, the bottom line is preaching is biblical and events are not. So there's my my emphasis <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm kidding. So wow. preaching of course, I think so my first thought on that is for a lot of preachers, you need to just write it down. If, if it's in your moleskin or your Evernote or however it is you, d- you develop your sermons, ask yourself every single week, how does the gospel come forth in this text? Or how does the – like however you want to say it, but get to the gospel. I know a lot of times people say get to Jesus, and I think that that's great. You need to get to Jesus, but I think you need to go one step further. You don't need to just get to Jesus. You need to get to – 
what Jesus did and taught and, you know, what made people believe in him. So I always try to get back to the gospel. How's the gospel highlighted in this? And that's really not a hard thing to do. If you're just teaching and you're, and you're, let's say the emphasis of your sermon is hope, you can easily see hope in the gospel. You can see that. And so I always put a portion in my text to really find where the gospel, where I can most explain the gospel from the text. So for preaching wise, I think that's kind of where I would do. And so I share the gospel. I, I'm not perfect. So let's say 90% of the time when I preach, I'll share the gospel in the body of my sermon. I, j I don't do it at the end, you know, like during an invitation time. Do you, what do you think on the preaching topic? Uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm always trying to find, you know, what, what aspects of this text are bringing out the gospel. And mm -hmm. so I think one question that um, I try to ask at the end of <clears throat> when I finish all my sermon preparation for the week, I try to ask the question, who is the hero of the sermon? Is it Jesus or is it me or the listener? And what I want to do is make Jesus the hero of every sermon, Jesus, who he is and what he's done for us. So I'll talk about, you know, depending on the text that I'm preaching, I'll talk about different elements of the gospel. So they're kind of like what you mentioned earlier. There might be a text that's referring to the resurrection, or there might be a text that's referring to the, atone, the atonement of Christ, you know, the cross. Um, this Sunday I'm dealing with uh, Romans chapter 7, and there's kind of a Christus Victor theme Mm -hmm. at the end of Romans 7 about how Jesus wins for us the victory. And so I'm going to try to be faithful to the text, but I'm also going to, to be intentional about looking for ways to to magnify Jesus, to make much of Jesus and what he's done in every single sermon. And I'm like you, I'm not perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm certain that there are weeks where I did not do a good enough job, but I want to be regular mm -hmm. about... Um, making much of Jesus in every sermon, making Jesus the hero of every sermon. And I think that's actually really helpful for our people to to get used to knowing that the pastor is going to preach the gospel, mm -hmm. not only to apply it to people who are in the audience who are lost, but also to apply it to those who know Christ, because right. the gospel is not just for our justification, it's also for our sanctification. So right. Right. I want to try to apply the gospel to the hearts of Christians, but also non-Christians. And I think that people, when they know the pastor is going to share the gospel, they feel more comfortable bringing lost friends to church because they know that their lost friend is going to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's not that's not enough. I want my members to share the gospel. Right. But I think as as a bare minimum for my church members to know, hey, pastor's going to be regularly sharing the gospel on Sunday mornings. I think that's a helpful thing for them to know. I do too. As far as events, I think we don't really do evangelistic events. You know, to just use that as a broad term, like we don't have a big like the power team. We don't have like a big group of you know. If you're not familiar with the power team, like a big group of big, strong people who will uh, lift a car over their head and then tell everybody the Romans wrote. I don't have any problem with that. But I mean, don't. the gospel is the power of God. It is the power of God. Boom. Uh, so it's right there tied together. So I don't have a problem with that. I think that's great. And a lot of churches do that. What we do, though, is what I try to do is. We do events that are more awareness. We're going to go out and serve the community. Well, sort of like our Fall Fest. We partner with the Chamber of Commerce to be a part of the Fall Fest. When we're doing the volunteer training, what we've done in the past is to communicate to our volunteers, this is why we do these events. This is, And I say that regularly 
um, in front of the congregation, I'll say, look, this thing is coming up. Now, remember, the whole reason we do this is so that you can build relationships with your neighbors and share the gospel with them. Well, the way I always say it is introduce Jesus to them. So you can build these great relationships in our community at the Fall Fest, and then you can introduce them to Jesus, and then you can invite them to your church, which is another thing kind of brings up a kind of thing. Regularly, I will end services by saying, I always end services by telling them I love them and I'll see them next week. But um, a lot of times I'll say, now go out and invite somebody and introduce somebody to Jesus and then invite them to your church. I always emphasize the and then part because I want them to regularly hear me telling them, your job is to introduce people to Jesus, not just invite them to the church. So introduce people to Jesus and then invite them to the church. I think little things like this is just changing the culture and the psyche of our people in such a way that makes them look toward the gospel and emphasize the gospel in their own lives. What I do you like think? that. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, I think it's uh, – I'm trying to remember uh, where I heard this, but there's a, a church uh, fairly nearby, um, and they, instead of saying you're dismissed at the end of the service, they say you are sent. Just oh, wow. something small, yeah. but the idea of, hey, we're on mission now. You know, mm-hmm. As you leave these doors, you're in your mission field. I think those types of small things, I really like what you just said about introduce and invite. Mm-hmm. Just small things to be reminding our people that this is what we're, we're here to do. Yeah. Um, you know, we haven't done, uh, since I've been at Paramount, I've only been here 10 months, so we haven't done any major, like you said, power team or, or evangelistic crusade or what have you. But I have done, in my previous church, we did an evangelistic crusade where we brought an evangelist to come and, and do a crusade for a week. And that's, I know, fairly old school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may not work in every context, but in our contact, context, it was it was fantastic. We did a nightly service. We uh, we tried to pack the place out. And what we would do is we would do a pre-event. So so there would be a men's night where we had a guy who uh, had been in the mafia and put his faith in Christ and God changed his life. And he came and shared his story with the men. And we did like a steak night. And then there was a women's uh, event uh, on women's night. And then there was a magician who came and did a, a show for kids. And these were things before the service started. So it would be like six o'clock. We'd have the men's event seven o'clock. We'd have the service. And we had an evangelist who came and, and preached the gospel. And we saw, you know, 130 plus people put their faith in Christ that week. I think wow. we baptized nearly half of those mm-hmm. and just incredible harvest Mm-hmm. Um, that God gave in that time. And so I think, I don't think that that can be your bread and butter of mm-hmm. evangelism. I don't think that you can build your entire evangelistic model on those types of evangelistic events. But I do think there are times and places to, to host an evangelist or to have a, a particular event that is meant to draw lost people to hear the gospel. I mean, you have that in the preaching, for instance, of George Whitfield mm-hmm. in the First Great Awakening, where you've got throngs of lost people who are coming uh, to an event to hear the gospel. And God, yeah. I think, uses that. But the other thing I think that, that our listeners you know, could do is to build an evangelistic emphasis into the, the rhythm and routine of what they're already doing in the church calendar. So mm-hmm. whether it's chunk or treat or whether it's, uh, you know, whatever it is in your, your church calendar, how do you take that 
and leverage it as an opportunity to get the gospel to everyone you come into contact with. And so I think that is really important as well, and just Mm. building those rhythms and routines into your church calendar. Yeah. I would just finish with this, is the idea that there's there's so many good things about this. If you realize that discipleship is such a huge part of evangelism and you can't break the two apart— that I think a lot of churches don't see a lot of people come to Christ because they're not discipling people, not because they're not emphasizing on evangelism. And I mean that because mature maturity, naturally, it's the mature that reproduce, right? I mean, that's just the natural order of things. And so as you mature people, more people are going to reproduce in the idea of evangelism. Furthermore, I think in the idea of discipleship, what we call small groups, all of that, is I regularly explain to our church our whole, you know, kind of our methodology of what we expect to see in small groups. So we'll say in the small groups out in the communities, like all these little pods out, spread out, that's where we expect to see people see the gospel as we relate to one another and then come to Jesus there and then go to the service and be, you know, somewhat trained or educated on the big doctrines. And so explaining that and explaining to the members their role in this, you have got to tear down the idea that they bring their lost friends to the church on Sunday morning so that we can share the gospel to them. we got to show them that you're doing that, and then I'm teaching them the doctrines. We're, we're about five minutes over. Do you have any final thoughts on this? I think the final thought I would give, Josh, is that if there's a pastor listening to us, just to stress the importance of modeling evangelism for people. Mm. There's no better way um, to get your people to to evangelize than to show them how to do it. Mm. I think that's fantastic. So an extra five minutes on the show today. We don't charge anything more for that. It's completely free. We hope that you enjoy it. We hope that you'll shoot out a tweet and let everybody know about the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wiki, J-O-W-I-K-I. Andrew, how can they follow you? Andrew Abert 86 My last name is H-E-B-E-R-T. 86, and that's how you follow him. Follow me, and uh, we'll chat with you next week. Peace. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.